Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. About five months ago, a friend of mine got expelled from his program because of bad marks. He was only halfway through his lease, and he didn't see a point of staying in the city since he was only here for school. He told me that if I wanted to take over his lease, he would only charge me half of the rent, which I thought was a pretty sweet deal. So naturally, although I am from this town, I thought it was time to leave my parents' place. I had already graduated, and although I had been looking for a new job for a while, I still felt like I couldn't miss out on the opportunity, so I took over his lease and moved into his place. The house itself is actually pretty nice. It's three floors including the basement, and it's located near the university of my town, which is not a very safe area overall, but I spent a lot of my university years here and never felt unsafe. The room in the basement is pretty small, but cozy, and the only other room down here is a girl who is currently a student, and she's pretty quiet. Actually, all the girls living here are pretty good roommates. I wasn't thrilled about living with three girls, but now I don't see why I would have thought it was an issue. They're all pretty great, and a good time. I'm the only one in the house who is not a student, and also the only one was originally from this town. The other roommates are all actually from cities that are only about an hour or two away at most. So unless there's something special going on, they all go home on weekends. My friend who got expelled also only lives two hours away. So he would always go home for the weekend as well. One thing I forgot to mention, which is pretty crucial to the story, is that the house actually has five rooms. But right when they all moved into the new place together, one of the girls had a seizure on her bed and passed away. This was pretty upsetting for everyone, and the landlord told them not to worry about finding anyone else. Their rent never went up or anything, and the room was left vacant. According to the landlord, he just found it insensitive to try and find someone because he didn't want to turn someone's death into a financial inconvenience for him. So after their girl's death, the parents came and took her belongings out of the room, and it just remained empty since then. I actually never looked in there, because it just remained locked, and I don't really have much curiosity to see the room. It's on the second floor, and I never go up there, so I never paid any attention to it. The first weekend I spent there was pretty uneventful. I remember that I spent one night at my boyfriend's place and then the next night he slept over 
after we went out drinking at one of the college bars near the place. We were pretty wasted, so we passed out as soon as we got home. The next weekend, I was at home in my new room, and I couldn't sleep, so I decided to read a little bit. I was really enjoying the quietness of this new house, since the other girls weren't home at all. I come from a Latino family, so this quiet and serene environment was pretty rare. Then out of nowhere, I thought that I heard a few noises upstairs, so I figured one of the girls had probably decided to stay the weekend at the house, or she was just getting last minute things ready before heading home. I really didn't think much of this thing. I wasn't very close with the roommates, so I didn't even bother asking them if any of them had stayed home. I just felt like it was none of my business. The girl in the basement was for sure gone for the weekend because she apparently sleeps with her door locked and keeps it open when she's not home. One weekend that same month, I woke up to pee and I could hear a toilet flushing upstairs which was kind of weird since I knew that none of the girls were home. I was going to go check it out, but in my tired state, I was too lazy and just didn't care enough. It's funny, horror movies are supposed to make you paranoid, but the biggest lesson I got from them was that there's always a rational explanation for things. This would prove to be my biggest mistake because for a couple of months, I was always brushing things off and ironically, creating irrational explanations to rationalize what I thought were irrational thoughts. For example, I heard a creaking coming from the second floor and figured one of the girls must have forgotten something and decided to come by to pick it up. The girl must have driven two hours down and two hours back to her town in the middle of the night to pick something up. One Saturday, I woke up to get some water and noticed that the roommate in the basement was gone. Her door was open, and her car was not in the driveway. There weren't any cars in the driveway, but I should mention that one of the girls doesn't drive. A couple hours later, I woke up because I heard steps coming down into the basement. At this point, I yelled out the girl's name who doesn't drive, because she is the only one who could have been in the house. I didn't get a reply and just heard the steps going back upstairs. At this point, I was starting to get uneasy about being home on weekends, so I decided to spend them at my boyfriend's house. One of the girls made a house Facebook page, which was supposed to address any issues like washing dishes or leaving messes, but it remained pretty inactive since everyone seemed to get along. I posted on there that some creepy stuff was happening on weekends and asked them if they could start just letting me know if they'd be home for the night or not. They seriously thought I was joking around. The replies were not receptive at all and consisted of laugh my ass off or oh my god you're so funny. Even my boyfriend agreed that I was being paranoid because he too believe that everything has a rational and perfect explanation. The thing is, when you say that everything has an explanation, you are only invalidating paranormal explanations or ghostly activity, which is not what I was implying at all. I have never believed in ghosts or spirits or any of that jazz, and I never claim to 
when I spoke to my roommates or to my boyfriend. They kept on saying that the house was old and made noises, but I know the difference between old house noises and someone walking down the stairs and back up. Fortunately, my roommates did start posting things on Facebook to let me know if they'd be gone. It was always to the effect of, Hey, gang fired. <laughs> I won't be home this weekend, so don't worry about the ghost. One weekend, they all let me know that they would not be home, and my boyfriend was on the midnight shift, so I had to spend the night on my own. My boyfriend called me on his break, and while I was on the phone with him, I heard noises on the main floor. I told him I was going to check it out, and he told me to go ahead, cause that motherfucker still thought I was being paranoid. As I said this, I heard the footsteps going back up to the second floor. Once I got into the main floor, there was nobody in the kitchen, and all the doors into the house were locked. I was extremely paranoid and did not feel safe. My boyfriend calmed me down and convinced me that everything was okay. So I never went to the second floor, and it's probably best that I stayed on the main floor. After that weekend, I told my roommates in all seriousness that I was convinced that someone had been in our house at some point that night. I told them what I heard, and the fucking bitches still claimed that it was the old house making noises. My boyfriend was almost permanently on midnights, so I did what I never wanted to do and started spending weekends at my parents' place. The girls still posted on the page whether or not they were leaving the house or not, and I decided that I should do the same. So I also started posting when I was and was not sleeping at the house. One Friday night, the Facebook page looked something like this. Roommate 1, not sleeping at home. Roommate 2, not sleeping at home. Roommate 3, staying home because of midterm exams. And me, I'm staying at my parents' place. The next morning, I received a frantic text from one of the roommates saying that the roommate with the midterms had been attacked. Apparently, she was in her room studying and heard a noise right outside her bedroom. When she went out to inspect it, she was greeted by a man walking out of the dead girl's room. I later found out more details about the whole thing from the roommate who was attacked. The man looked rough, greasy hair, and just a dirty, dirty face. When they made eye contact, he held his finger up to his mouth and uttered a shh while smiling. The nail on his finger was long, and his beard was apparently really scraggly and uneven, like it only grew on certain parts of his face. She screamed out of instinct, even though she knew there was nobody in the house. He lunged at her as she tried to shut the door. He growled and told her to shut her mouth and said something like, Not gonna rape you, but shut your mouth. He beat her, but not completely unconscious. And then when he walked out of her room, he went downstairs and walked out the front door. So he left the dead girl's room unlocked. My roommate locked herself in her room and called the police who were there immediately. What's pretty creepy about the whole thing is that when they inspected the dead girl's room, they kept asking for clarification. So nobody has lived in this room for how long? 
Nobody has been renting this room, right? Did the parents take everything after the girl passed away? The guy had a really sweet setup, actually, and had brought his own small mattress to put over the bed frame. Obviously, the mattress was too small for the bed frame. He left most of his stuff because he probably didn't expect a confrontation that night. I don't think he knew she would be there that night because she never was. It probably sucked for him when I moved in because before me, the bastard had the whole house to himself two days a week. The police did ask me quite a lot of questions and were very interested in hearing my statement about hearing footsteps at night. My three roommates and my friend are now convinced that maybe the girl didn't die the way they said she did and maybe he murdered her. But I think the autopsy would have been able to distinguish a murder from a seizure. In their defense, the whole thing is really creepy. We're not really sure how long the guy had been living there, but it's very likely that it has been for at least a few months. The theory is that the guy has been climbing in through the window, so it's possible that he was even there at times when all of us were there. The police are really interested in talking to the landlord because they want to know how the man found out about the vacant room. The landlord is a pretty decent guy, so I don't know if there's anything going on there. I don't even feel an I told you so attitude from this whole thing. I think that I am just glad that the girl is okay, because she seemed pretty shaken up. I just wish people were more willing to listen to me when I told them that I thought somebody was coming into our home. I even said it might be a squatter, which everyone laughed at. This has been a pretty terrible month for me, and I don't know if I want to be at this house anymore. I don't have much left on the lease, and I recently lost my job, so it might be best for me to just leave. I doubt the guy will come back, because all of his stuff has been taken out. But I still find it creepy in this house. I definitely don't spend weekends here anymore. I moved abroad for work some years ago. I've had a variety of housemates during this time. Some are great, some okay, and a few bad apples. My most recent flatmate, however, was like nothing I'd ever experienced. Penny. She had posted an ad looking for female working flatmates and lived in a luxury apartment. I live in a developing country in Asia, in its capital city which is notorious for its difficult housing market, among many other things. It is not advisable for girls to live alone as a safety precaution. Also factor in that I am alone in this country and rely heavily on a secure and comfortable living situation. Back to the story. I responded to Penny's advert looking for flatmates and arranged to see the place. It was a nice apartment with a reasonable rental price. Penny seemed nice enough. She said she was a lawyer and was looking for non-intrusive and responsible people to live with. I was looking for the same and thought it was a great place. I took the room and moved in the following month. Penny had some issues with another flatmate, which culminated in Penny locking the girl outside of the apartment and the police being called. Alarm bells were ringing, 
but I believed Penny when she told me the girl had not paid rent and was threatening to ransack the place. Plus, I had nowhere to go as I had secured this room already. So I am living alone with Penny and a 20-year-old girl who had been employed by Penny's family to live with their daughter as a maid. The first week was fine. I realized, however, that Penny wasn't a lawyer and that she was actually unemployed. She would lie about going to work, how her day was, and what she ate during her lunch break at this non-existent job. I knew she was lying because the maid told me that Penny was strange and never left the apartment. I let it go. I figured that she may be embarrassed of being unemployed. Penny had no idea I could communicate with the maid as she was unaware I could speak the local language. When I found out the maid was completely illiterate, I told Penny I'd be teaching her how to read. Penny told me there was no point because the maid wouldn't be interested as poor people supposedly have no respect for education and to not teach her anything because being literate wouldn't improve her life anyway. Actually, the maid was interested in learning to read and I started to teach her. The maid wanted this to be kept secret and hid her notebook and pen during the day inside a box. I strongly believe Penny wanted to keep her illiterate as she wanted her to be as vulnerable as possible. The maid had left school at 7 years old and had been working full time since the age of 12, which Penny thought was great as she had learned to cook very well. In the third week, crazy started. Penny presented me with a food bill, saying she'd ordered $300 of food for us. This was untrue, and I said I wouldn't be paying her. A weekly shop here is around $15. She would also hang around outside my room, wanting to talk before I left for work in the mornings, and then do the same thing in the evenings. I thought she was a lonely girl and felt sorry for her. She'd literally follow me to my bedroom door and keep talking until it was shut in her face. She'd talk to me for around 40 minutes at a time, uninterrupted, as if she was talking to herself. I could rarely get a word in. She appeared very unaware of social etiquette and thought it normal to have a conversation where she was the only one speaking to the point of breathlessness. One day, we had a drink and she told me many things. That she was extremely academically gifted, had traveled the world, was related to the royal family, had a wardrobe worth thousands, and also that her boyfriend had died last year. I found out her ex-boyfriend was actually still alive, but figured this was her way of dealing with a bad breakup. The rest of her stories were lies. Actually, 90% of what she'd say was untrue. She'd lie about trivial things, which convinced me she had a personality disorder. I'd come back from work, and she'd tell me that she'd arrived one hour before me and was having a nap even though she just spent the whole day asleep after taking various substances. Penny's mother often rang the maid to find out what Penny was doing, and she'd send Penny's cousin every few weeks to check on her. During this time, 
Penny would also lie to them that she had a job and that I was her close friend. Thinking of this freaks me out because I'd generally avoid her if I could at this point. However, her family seemed to know a lot about me in the space of a few weeks. She clearly concocted a story about me to her family. I guess as the weeks went by, she became comfortable and started being more herself. She would sleep all day and be awake during the night. She'd drink up three bottles of whiskey per week, mixing with various medication she was taking. The maid told me all of this as she was cleaning Penny's room. Penny also claimed to not know how old she was. Penny treated the maid very badly. The maid was not allowed to speak to anyone or go out in public. She was expected to eat small portions and leftovers. I'd take her out often for a snack or ice cream, which is when she'd tell me about Strange Penny. I was told the maid was earning $150 per month, a low wage by Western standards, but normal in this country. Penny included my share of this in my rent, so I was contributing $75 to her salary. I later found out that her wage was only $85, so Penny was knowingly giving this maid $10 per month to work for her full time for 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. working hours. She once berated her terribly for going to sleep at 1 a.m. and woke her up demanding she cook for her. Penny reasoned that poor people needed to be kept in check and that they weren't normal people. Penny had a pet dog who she seemed obsessed with and would spend hundreds of dollars weekly on him. She was paying $10 for her maid and $400 for her dog. In my five weeks there, that dog rarely left her bedroom. She would shit all over her bed and piss on her mattress. When she was questioned about the piss stain, she said it was water. It definitely wasn't. I thought she was engaging in bestiality, and the maid confided that she too thought Penny was indeed engaging in sexual relations with the dog. Her dog would randomly piss in the common areas, and on one occasion, Penny came out of her room and stood in the piss with her bare feet. She seemed totally unbothered by it. She also claimed her dog could speak to her. Penny would also eat my food often and then deny it, offering the explanation that it could be a ghost. Conversely, she'd claim that she was often starving because she had no access to food, even though she binged daily. I questioned her about my missing food, and she'd scream that she had no idea where it went and that I shouldn't use the fridge. The fact that she believed in her own delusions seriously freaked me out. She claimed that her friends used to live with her, even though I found no evidence of her ever living with others in that place. She hated for other girls to be described as attractive, as she was severely overweight and never showered. Her hair was knotted throughout, as she hadn't washed it in months. She'd also have the maid massage her often. During my time in that apartment, Penny never left the apartment building once. She just had a routine of sleeping, eating, drinking, and taking pills. She'd often pretend she'd gone somewhere. 
On a few occasions, she turned the lights and TV off in her room and stayed silent for a few hours to make me believe she was out. She even made up an elaborate lie that she was taking some exams and pretended to be stressed on the day, even though she never actually had any exams. She seemed to include details in her lies to make them more realistic. It scared me that she did this so naturally. She displayed bouts of mania, where she'd spend hundreds of dollars on decorations, like plastic flowers and small figurines, and she'd be up at 5 a.m. decorating the common areas. She did this routine several times. I'd hear her, often during the night, pacing back and forth down the hallway. She claimed she was decorating the place for all of her friends to enjoy, even though no one would come to see her, aside from her cousin. In week five of me living there, I heard screaming and shouting one evening. I thought Penny was on the phone, so I ignored it. I then received a hysterical phone call from the maid saying Penny accused her of stealing something and was going to beat her, so she ran to her room. I asked Penny what happened, and she said that the maid had a bad attitude and started crying for no reason. She said she'd just done some difficult exams, had been stressed, and wanted to chill, not deal with the rude maid. That night, Penny also severely verbally abused the maid for refusing to come and take more abuse. I heard Penny make a phone call to the maid, in which she screamed the following, Useless rude bitch! What are you doing relaxing in your room? I want my drink! Bring it to me now! Useless bitch! I'm ill and I need my drink! I'm too ill to get it myself! Penny was not ill, and the drink in question had been left on the kitchen counter. Penny wanted the maid to deliver it to her in bed. I saw the maid later that night to give her some dinner. Her eyes were red from crying, and she was shaking. That same night, the maid told me she wanted to leave the next day because she was sure she'd be severely beaten soon, although she had no idea how to leave as she was illiterate and relied on Penny's family for her travel arrangement. The maid told me she had called Penny's parents and told them what happened and they told her not to leave, but she refused. She then said to me, Her parents don't care about me. Why should I stay? To die? I don't want to die here. She asked that I not leave her alone with Penny until she left. That night, I feared for my own safety. I was awoken during the night by Penny slamming doors and running around. She was high and intoxicated and had likely gone to the maid's room in an attempt to hurt her, although she couldn't gain entry. The next day came and the maid had packed her three bags. Penny's mother rang the maid and instructed her to go and cook lunch for Penny. Penny burst out of her room as soon as she heard her in the kitchen, and all hell broke loose. Penny was screaming and told the maid she was nothing but an uneducated village girl, who was not a princess and who should never dare to defy her, that she shouldn't even make certain facial expressions in her presence. Penny held the power, and she was going to call the police to come and arrest a maid. 
She carried on abusing her while I tried to intervene. Of course, Penny wanted the maid to keep working and had her scrub the floors right up until she needed to leave. Penny said to me, Can you believe this fucking bitch is trying to leave? Leaving me without a maid? I was both scared and speechless. Before the maid left, Penny insisted on checking the maid's belongings for stolen items. We went outside, where Penny emptied the maid's three bags, including her underwear and food into the road, removing various items she claimed were hers. She called the maid a whore and accused her of fucking around, which is very taboo here. Penny even attempted to take away a gift that I had given the maid. I gave her this gift as she told me she'd never had a birthday gift in her life. Penny's parents kept calling throughout the day, begging the maid to continue living with their daughter. They did this as they heard their daughter's level of disturbing abuse. To execute their plan, they told her they couldn't book her a ticket home and she'd have to stay. Luckily with my help, the maid and I arranged for her fiancé to collect her. I have no doubt she would have severely beaten the maid had I not been present. That day, I decided to move out and left two days later, stressed and disturbed from witnessing all of this. I hadn't seen Penny since the maid left as she locked herself in her room. The night before I was leaving, I went to tell her I'd be moving out. I knocked on her door every hour for the entire evening, knowing she was inside. She pretended to be out again and turned her lights off, although I heard her dog barking. The next morning, I saw her, and she said that her friends had taken her out to cheer her up after what the maid did to her. She said that she knew I'd been knocking on her door because her dog had panicked and knocked over his water bowl, causing Penny to slip and injure herself when she returned. She concocted this version of events to tell me. Two days after leaving, I received a phone call from Penny's mother, who was worried she couldn't contact her daughter. Penny would do this often, as if she wanted her family to think she was dead. I found out that her mother immediately flew into the city, checked whether her daughter was alive or not, then left. In this country, some view mental illness as taboo. So while Penny's family are aware of their daughter's fragile mental state, they do nothing. I assume they enable her because they do not want to deal with her. They allowed her to abuse a vulnerable girl from a poor family in the process, knowing the maid would have no option but to endure abuse. I assume another vulnerable girl has now been sent to live with Penny and is probably trapped, as the other girl had been. Penny also continues to advertise her apartment, looking for people to live with. I hope I never see her again, and hope that other prospective housemates see beyond her act of normalcy that she put on when I first met her. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.